0: welcome to another episode of Dude Soup, which is sponsored by ExpressVPN, Upstart, and Mint Mobile. Uh, Today we're talking about next-gen consoles, accessibility improvements that we really need to see, some uh, PS5 stock issues, the Xbox Series X and S and 1X and all of those, and maybe we'll even get to aliens in this hot bowl of Dude Soup. I want to believe, Alana. Mm -hmm. Yes, John, who is also here. Aliens. (laughs) He wants to believe in aliens, got it. (laughs) Well, we are also joined by a special guest today, Steve. Welcome, Steve.
1: Hello, thank you so much for having Uh, me.
0: Of course, it does say in the background of your set there, Blind Gamer Steve. Uh, Mm -hmm. What does that mean exactly?
1: <laughs> um, well, that is uh, the name I, I generally go by. Uh, I have a YouTube channel called Blind Gamer, and uh, I'm, yes, I am technically, legally blind, according to the government. I have my card and everything. Uh, it
0: seems before. like people doubt you a lot, the fact that you had to rehearse that.
1: <sighs> yes, uh, it happens more often than you think. <laughs> um, but I'm also an accessibility advocate, and I'm a consultant uh, within the video game industry. I've Consulted with studios such as Ubisoft, EA, and most recently Naughty Dog, uh for The Last of Us Part Two. I was one of the consultants brought in for that. Um, I always like to be able to point out that's Land Leonardo just sitting in the uh corner. Nice.
0: There. So good pun. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> it well, was well, either yeah, we're that. excited to have you.
1: It was either that Sorry, or what? the the uh the life size uh statue of E. T. But I figured this is probably more camera friendly.
0: Are you saying you also have a life size statue of E.T.? Yes, I do. That stays in
1: the room. bedroom.
2: <laughs> and, believe it or not, it actually <laughs> is Door. in the bedroom, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, every morning oh,
0: you wake up with
2: standing today. over you.
1: Um yes and no. He's kind of guarding the the doorway into the oh, bedroom. Cool. So you have a there gun
0: strapped to his arm. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Got a balaclava and a backwards hat, classic ET. He had to find work somewhere, you know. Twenty twenty, it's been a long ride for him, especially in video games. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Well, we're excited to have you on the show today to talk about next gen stuff um, and accessibility. But like before we get into it, uh, you know, I've seen your content. I said this before we started the show, but for anyone who you know doesn't know who blind gamer Steve is, um, how do you play video games while blind, Steve? That doesn't make sense.
1: So so I actually have a a condition that's called nystagmus, um, which basically means that my eyes move back and forth uh, involuntarily, so I can't control it. And what it really does is just basically makes my entire vision really blurry. Um, And normally when you kind of like kind of describe sort of like what, visual acuity is you have like 20-20 vision, which is generally something that's 20 feet away to you look like it's 20 feet away if you have 20-20 vision. For me, with glasses on, I have 20-200 vision. Uh, So something that's 20 feet away looks like it's 200 feet away. With glasses off, it's more along lines of like 20-1700. But the way I'm able to play video games is I have to be pretty much extremely close to as large of a screen as possible. Even right now, I have, I'm sit, like sitting about a foot and a half away from me. I have a 50 inch TV that essentially acts as my computer monitor and uh, gaming monitor. So I, that's how I'm able to play. It doesn't do the job completely. It doesn't fix everything, <laughs> but it does a pretty decent job where I'm not having migraines at the end of the day where my eyes are just so fatigued that I that it's hard for me to be able to see what I'm doing or what I'm playing. And uh, essentially that's kind of how I'm able to play video games in a nutshell.
0: So where accessibility is concerned for people who have any kind of ailment where their eyesight is concerned, like how much room for improvement is there? How bad are video games for people who have trouble seeing?
1: It's it's kind of sort of VicVault to kind of like sort of car- compartmentalize that um, because the way i sort of say uh, say it is that generally blindness is not necessarily an on off switch um Mm -hmm. it's it's a spectrum and that's kind of across a lot of disabilities everything is a is a spectrum and there's never going to be kind of like that one setting that's going to fix absolutely everything uh for each disability um the way i best describe it at least for for blindness is that Nine out of 10 people who are blind have at least some vision. It's very rare that you would have someone uh, like a Stevie Wonder uh, who is completely blind uh, to like who can't see at all. And there are people and and people in the accessibility community that are sightless that have trouble trying to build to play games and usually have to have like a sighted person basically play with them in sort of like a co-pilot kind of mode. Um, but it's generally within the industry, it's it's. Okay, it's there, but there are definitely a lot of things for improvement. I think probably the biggest thing in games right now, at least from a blindness perspective, is the use of really, really, really tiny fonts in games. Mm. And I am not a fan of that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why that's still a, a thing. I understand why people have done it, and developers and studios have done it because they love the 4K and they want to be able to make everything look <laughs> g- gorgeous in 4K, but when it comes to like a usability standpoint and accessibility standpoint, it makes it really difficult to play, especially if you're sitting at like a like a living room setting where you're six feet away from your TV. And regardless how big your TV is, having to strain just to be able to read the lore text in Death Stranding. I mean, I I want to read those. Of which emails. there is a lot. Ugh, exactly. I mean, like, I want to read those. I want to read those things. I want to read the craziness that is Hideo Kojima, but I can't. <laughs> So I, I, mean, I mean I'd say
2: a- even even people with 2020 vision the the scale in which text is like the standard it seems being yeah being on a couch you're like how how do I even read this and it, I always think like oh developers are using like giant TVs that is like correct.
0: That. I have spoken to devs about this exact thing. Uh, You probably already know this, but for the audience at home who doesn't, um, it is just that they are using monitors that are directly in front of them when they're making things, and they don't realize until the playtesting phase, even then where a lot of people are sitting at a booth in front of a monitor really close, um, where they actually separate people from their screens that it becomes a problem. However changing the, the size of font in a video game after all of the text has been put in can break a video game it is not yes. a matter of like increased size uh it's actually really difficult which is a thing that i would never have guessed until talking to a developer about this so it's something mm-hmm. that they really need to start implementing from the jump rather than when the game's just about to ship because otherwise it just it just breaks all your ui apparently yep
1: so I have, I have two interesting uh, stories about that one of the sort of a bad a bad thing so i know a developer has, t- has told me this this happened that the art director of a uh, at a particular studio basically was really like trying to be able to push down the size of the text because of just how like they want the environments to just to, to shine and be the, the forefront of everything and just make it so beautiful and but they kept really trying to push this font size down so there was this one developer on his team that kept going in gorilla style after hours and just slowly increasing the <laughs> font size to the point where it just no one kind of really noticed and then it, it shipped with at least a decent <laughs> font size but not I respect twice. it um and then the second one and show how like how much work it, uh, that can go into to be able to make font size uh, as big as uh, like try to be able to make it as, as good as possible so the outer worlds came out last year and it was in the same kind of boat, had very small text and was difficult to be able to read. There was one developer uh, on the team that was like, you know, I wanna make it so that you can be able to adjust the font size yourself. And you can have like a a sliding scale from one to 10 and it'll work pretty much across all the UI. He told me that it took him about an afternoon to, to implement, but it took three months to try to be able to fix all the UI bugs that it had yeah. caused, and thank God for Obsidian for allowing them to be able to uh, work him to be able to work on that, and a, and a team to be able to kind of work on that because they basically released it as an updated patch about three months later, and uh, now you can, a lot of people can be able to play out of Worlds without having really small text and you can adjust the size,
0: especially when the text is so important in a game like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you need that text. They just came out with new DLC, didn't they? This week, I think they did. Uh yep. love that game. It was it was yeah one of the Inside Gaming top fives last year. It was fantastic. Um, but yeah, I, think, I mean there are
2: this. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say. I think that. Uh, I mean, definitely when it's done after everything is made, it's a huge hurdle. But it's definitely something. Uh, you know, if we look at web design, when you're starting with the intent of having uh, dynamic scaling of everything. That's what websites do, and they do it from the beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. So a lot of times it used to be that there was, you know, m.youtube.com and then youtube.com. But now a lot of websites basically just in their CSS, it detects the browser and then arranges all of those elements, scales them to the specific uh, browser. So if you're on mobile or if you're on desktop, it's, all, it's the same website. Uh, it's just programmed to be different and to, to scale. Um, Same with window size. It used to be that, like, you know, windows were a certain width, and if you made it, you know, just a little bit smaller, you'd have to scroll to the right, but now everything's dynamic. So it's definitely something that, if it's planned from the beginning, it's 100% possible to do without, Mm -hmm. you know, making all these crazy bugs. It's just that currently, yeah, I think it's, like... It's an afterthought. Yeah, it's an afterthought.
1: And that's when it's a response
2: to people, you know being vocal yeah. about it yeah. after the game comes out.
1: And that's honestly one of the reasons why The Last of Us Part Two was kind of widely celebrated for the amount of accessibility options that it had. One of the things they they did was they started from the very beginning. Yes, they had some things that kind of they tried and experimented with in previous games. Um like for example, Uncharted Four has actually some pretty decent accessibility uh in it. And so they kind of used some of that, including I think the thief mode that was that you could be able to play after you've completed the game where it sort of turns uh nathan into a blue character and your enemies into red mm-hmm. and they use mm-hmm. that f- uh, feature as a high contrast mode because they found out afterwards that oh yeah that could actually be an accessibility option so they started kind of from the beginning thinking about accessibility um and then of course they brought in consultants along the way they kept working on it throughout the development it was bi- this, like designed for accessibility kind of from the top down um it has some improvements that definitely need to be made but uh Uh, I, I, that's kind of where we get games like that is when those things uh, happen and no, I'm not paid by Sony to, to say all that (laughs) they paid me a while ago, but it just, it it goes to show (laughs) that can work.
0: Yeah. And I think it's interesting, like video games don't have, uh, as many regulations where that stuff is concerned either. Like I remember when I was working for IGN, if we didn't have the descriptions of the image, uh, written as text, we could get in trouble. Uh, We did have someone reach out to us and be like, this doesn't comply with basically accessibility laws. I don't remember the exact legal terminology, but it was like, you aren't describing what's in the image, meaning that blind people will have difficulty using your site. You need to change it. Uh, And we did. Uh, But those things don't quite apply to video games yet, which is a huge bummer because I think an especially important part of video games is that certain people have disabilities that mean that they are socially isolated a lot of the time and video games are such a good escape for those people, especially what mental health is concerned. So to have video games be, uh, something that they can experience when they can't necessarily leave the house or can't necessarily, uh, partake in other social interactions is absolutely awesome. Um, and definitely something we need to push for. So with all of that in mind, uh, Steve, I'll ask you first, um, what do you you most want to see for next gen? What's the thing you want the most?
1: Well, I mean, now that we started to kind of uh, see, obviously, a big push within accessibility within different studios, or at least there's conversations happening. um, I think necessarily from a software and hardware side, we're kind of seeing um, definitely studios experimenting with different features, and they're trying different things. I think that, yes, while The Last of Us had an amazing array of uh, accessibility um, had over 60 plus accessibility options um, which is great and it's awesome we're probably not going to see the true impact of that um, until at least about a couple years from now because of course how development cycles work Uh, Mm -hmm. so I think that now we see that there is a sort of a playbook that you can be able to that studios can use to design games and develop games based kind of on uh, from from an accessibility standpoint I think that going into next gen just now that we have sort of like the the hardware capabilities uh, and the software capabilities to kind of do pretty much even more than what the current gen has become I think we're definitely going to see a lot more um, inclusion which is great I think it's really comes down to mostly the culture of accessibility uh, in the fact that we need to talk about it more. Um, I've I've said it before that essentially the marketing of accessibility is something that I think drastically needs to change uh, for for just not only just next gen, but just in any form shape because we don't get any accessibility marketing at all. We know about a game years beforehand, um, but we don't see anything for accessibility at all. Uh, For instance, we knew about Cyberpunk 2077 since 2012 it's and, been a while, <laughs> yeah exactly and we know you can customize the genitalia but we've had one tweet about accessibility and that was just to confirm that that you can adjust the size the font size and the color of subtitles that's it mm-hmm. there's nothing else so i think i think their culture really needs to change and as far as like with the two big ones sony and microsoft kind of like what would what's it should be like, what are they doing now? In a way, Microsoft is in a great position uh, for accessibility and they've kind of done it by a few initiatives. One, obviously their Game Pass uh, subscription is absolutely amazing, not only just from a consumer level, but actually from an accessibility level because I, I miss the times where I could be able to get like a CD from my PC gamer magazine from the bookstore and be able to try out the demos that were always on those CDs because it allowed me to so try good. out games that I probably would never have had been able to uh, and to see if actually I can be able to play it. Uh, and what I love about Game Pass essentially kind of does almost the same thing. But instead of demos, we get full games and in a way, like it saves a lot of people who are disabled a lot of money because many times we're trying we're trying to decide whether or not we can be able to play a game, bef- like and we have to kind of almost buy the game to try it out. And because games are like sixty dollars plus, depending on which country you're in, that's a lot to sink into something that you can maybe play for an hour and realize, no, I can't play this at all. It's a really so, good point. Exactly. So the fact that Game Pass exists, where it's just a set subscription you can download a game try it out if it doesn't work you can delete it and try another one it just creates a lot of peace of mind for disabled uh, players but then also as well internally um, they have obviously the xbox adaptive controller that Mm -hmm. has been confirmed that will work for the xbox series x and uh, s as well Um, so you can be able to use that same controller for uh, within next gen and then internally they have actually the like accessibility guide lines that studios can be able to their first party studios can use to create accessibility options in their games. It's a slow run, like rollout for that. Um, it's kind of been one of those that that's just only happened just recently um, where they have that internally, but it's also available publicly. So actually if you do a Google search for Microsoft accessibility guidelines, you can find it and it's a really great resource uh, to find what uh, accessibility options would be best in games. And it kind of does sort of a base level of, of understanding um, within the game development to try, at least try to be able to add that stuff in. So with those three initiatives in mind plus the fact that they have high executives with, like who are passionate about accessibility and they have an accessibility team that i think ha- puts a lot of weight in uh, on microsoft too like moving forward that they can really push next gen for accessibility sony i don't want to say that they're bad at it they just don't have as much available uh like as of right now they don't have a hardware solution for accessibility sure they have um internal studios their their playstation studios have pushed accessibility forward but it's kind of really been uh like it has to it's depending on the studio to want to really kind of add that in um we've seen a little bit more of it in in recent studios like with ghost of shima this year had a pretty decent accessibility options and they were constantly updating with uh their updated patches for adding accessibility based on kind of user feedback and we do know that the options and feedback and testing that naughty dog has done for last of us part two will be shared internally for sony um, but it really kind of depends on what studios want to be able to implement it, and also they don't really have an accessibility team per se. At least that's their kind of full time position to work on accessibility. I think there's about maybe two or three people um, that kind of like are, are in it, they are passionate about it, but it's it's something that's that it's going to take them a little bit of time to uh, to really kind of implement uh, it to be fully for for next gen. I'm really curious to see what like once we get our hands on the PS5 what accessibility options will entail. Because with the PS4 mm-hmm. system options were great and the OS was fine, but a lot of accessibility didn't get implemented until after the PS4 was out and it's kind of like halfway through its generation. So it's gonna be interesting to see if they wanna be able to include accessibility from a system level, uh, just moving forward into into next gen.
0: You have to call them out for it. Uh, I did wanna mention like, so my particular accessibility issue that uh, people might know about Three Fun Houses I have tendonitis in both of my wrists, so I can't do any rapid button presses. Um, Anything that requires like frequently tapping a button, fighting games are difficult, games like Guitar Hero are difficult. It just gets very painful and then my wrist will flare up and I won't be able to use my thumbs for like two days. Um, Mm. So related to Microsoft, Battletoads was terrible. Uh, In terms of that, I did not have, so, so Naughty Dog, for example, does do the option to change a rapid button press or even a QTE, which can be a little bit too fast for me to, uh, just a single tap, uh, which is way, 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 way easier. Battletoads, that combat is so fast, so, 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 so much spamming and no option for it at all, which was super disappointing, especially after, like you mentioned, like Microsoft have, uh, taken a lot of strides in a very positive direction. Um, but there are also a lot of different people with a lot of different accessibility restrictions that, uh, it, you know, I understand it. It's difficult to cater to all of it, but Like there's just some stuff that I feel like Naughty Dog is the leader on uh, where this is concerned from, from what I can tell. And they're one studio that I I already know with my particular problem that I can play absolutely every game, no issue, Uh, which is very nice to know. So definitely agree with you there, Steve, that having more of a push from this from both of them and knowing where they stand and what their guidelines are going forward would be awesome, especially leading into next gen. And uh, we will hear what John wants from the next generation. After this quick ad break from ExpressVPN. Listen, let me talk to you for a second. When you use the bathroom, you close the door, right? So you go to a friend's place or whatever, or, you know, you've got people around. You don't want to see a random person walk past when you're doing your business. So why would you let people know everything you're doing on the internet? That doesn't make any sense. What are you doing, you weird dude? Using the internet without ExpressVPN Is just like going to the bathroom with the door open. You don't wanna do it, it smells. (laughs) But for real, did you know that internet service providers like uh, Comcast or Verizon know every single website that you look at and in some cases will sell your data? To ad companies or tech giants who will then use it to target you. Uh, it's a whole mess. But ExpressVPN actually puts a stop to this. It creates a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that your online activity can't be seen by anyone. I 100% do use ExpressVPN. I 100% like the service totally separately from the Rooster Teeth sponsorship. I've had a great experience using it. Very easy to use, very easy to set up. Um, and it also helps. With, it works on basically everything. So everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can still be protected even if they don't use ExpressVPN. Best part is very simple. Fire up the app, you click a button, it's all activated. So that's probably why it's rated the number one VPN in the world uh, by CNET, Wired, The Verge, and a bunch of others. So <clears throat> if you're like me and believe your online activity is your business, secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com do dude today. Use my link dot com slash dude. And you can get an extra three months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash dude. All right, John. Doesn't Hello. have to be accessibility related. Whatever you want. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, what are you excited for?
2: For, for um, next gen? Or what do you most want to see? When I'm, one thing I'm disappointed about, uh, kind of to bounce off of Steve's point about PlayStation versus Microsoft. Microsoft does have that, uh, uh, the controller that you can completely mm. customize and it's designed for accessibility. PlayStation uh on the opposite what I feel is the opposite side of the spectrum is allowing no backwards compatibility with controllers uh and there's this guy on Twitter Joe Rivera said uh because of my disability a PS4 controller is the only controller that I can hold comfortably enough to fully enjoy video games. Uh I believe he has uh, muscular dystrophy. Uh, and so he says he doesn't know if he'll be able to even play ps5 games um, so that's Damn. a huge bummer I'd love yeah. for PlayStation to you know just kind of just do the exact same thing that Microsoft did come out with a controller that's more customizable more uh, has more options uh, that's fo- focused on accessibility and then another thing is I feel like there are a number of accessibility options uh, maybe they're not across the whole board but that could be um, console side, so rather than a game having to focus on stuff, you know, if an Xbox or a PlayStation had, um, you know, automated uh, either text to speech or different things like that, I don't know how exactly that would happen. It'd have to be, I mean, Google Lens does that thing where it it can look at a picture and find the words, so maybe. Uh, It could be something like that, a program that's basically just monitoring the game output, and whenever it sees text, it could just read it out. Um, And just kind of other things like that. Uh, I I don't have a lot of examples, but I'm sure that there are things that could be done on a base level, rather than having it to be up to each individual developer. Um, And if it was more like that, then, I mean, I think that would be a lot better because yeah instead of trying to get hundreds of different people to follow these guidelines if just the you know the source could do it then it would it would fix a lot of problems
1: yeah I just that's want actually, yeah, yeah right <laughs> um, and i think it's something that i think because of this uh current gen has been uh, around for so long uh, or at least longer than previous generations um, obviously accessibility kind of wasn't really talked about even at that point because uh, I think even when the PS4 launched um, we had games that didn't even have subtitles at all i um, calling out Assassin's Creed on that the original Assassin's Creed did not have subtitles uh, wow. and that's something so accessibility has kind of been a much bigger push within the past five years Um, and I I do agree with you I think having the ability to be able to tap into the system options would be great for developers because it kind of takes a a lot of load off of um, their development cycle Um, it it can be tricky at least currently um, for as an example uh, I do know the fact that the narrator uh, function in uh, on the Xbox system um, in order for it to actually work it technically has to load a second operating system on top of the current operating system just to get the narration to work. It's like the narration is a completely different OS than the actual OS of of Xbox. And that's just to get that to work. So I think right now it's kind of like it's sort of a patchwork kind of system to to get uh, things to work. So it will be interesting to see like whether or not Microsoft or even Sony can take that feedback and, uh, and, and implement that from a system-wide uh, purposes, because yeah, like you said, it would it would be great to be able to just like have that load on the system than just having it in in the, in the software itself, and then because then you might get bloated software, you might get bug issues and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So having tools that are already developed for that that they can just tap into at uh, APIs, for uh, uh, instance, would be great
0: um yeah you know what, that sounds you know so obtuse the me way do? it functions right now mm-hmm.
2: x cloud because <laughs> uh i mean yeah alexa and google assistant and all those different things it's not locally on your phone like you can't do that offline you ask them a question and they ping a freaking supercomputer and it processes it and sends it back and i mean same steve i think you mentioned that uh do you use the captions, the online captions thing on Twitch? You were mentioning something about captions. Um, there's a plugin, basically, that you hook it up to a website and you send your microphone, and it will automatically mm-hmm. generate captions that you can then overlay on your Twitch. Uh, yes. So that was kind of what gave me the idea, was I'm not running it locally on my computer. It's another server
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, way out there that's doing it. So even though that would be something that it has to be online... I think that's better than it opening a separate OS.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's
2: crazy. Yeah, it just seems no. like there's so many possible solutions, just people aren't exploring them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's oh, al- sure. I know there are also like Gears 5 was very good for the hard of hearing community because it did uh, such a good job of in-text describing absolutely everything that was happening. So, you know, for the opposite problem, people who have trouble hearing cues from video games, that game detailed things so excessively that uh, it was, I think, at the time awarded as the best game uh, for the hard of hearing community that had come out. And it's just, again, just stuff like this that you just, you need the studios to think about. You need to have conversations like this on podcasts. (laughs) You need to Mm -hmm. have people talk about them so that any developer who happens to come across something like this is like, oh, probably should do that. Yeah. that's a pretty even, good idea because I don't think they're evil they just don't think about it
1: no that's exactly it they don't think about it we don't we're never when it exists in the community we never think about that oh no the, the studios and developers are just like bad and like they just know like we just don't want to bother with it um some people have I've heard uh, but it's <laughs> it, it, like it they it's the fact that it's like now they know and to kind of even use gears as an example and this ties into to you Alana. like the fact that being able to go in, like in gears and being able to hear your, like see the lines of your npc talking like that's that's a huge deal. And that's something that not a lot of games do, because a lot of cap- like a lot of subtitles and captions in games, they don't pick up a lot of these sort of the NPC environmental uh, dialogue that uh, that mm-hmm. we hear all the time in games. So uh, the fact that they that Gears 5 was able to caption that, um, it means that uh, deaf and hard of hearing people can in, at least tangentially Know that yes, Alana, you voiced that character, but also now know what
0: they're or Whatever it is that I said, I don't know (laughs) exactly. Uh, I also think they made me a black woman, which I'm like not fully comfortable with. I just want everyone to know I didn't have a say in that. (laughs) I didn't didn't know. (laughs) Uh, Um, Sorry, go ahead, John. Well, Alana, I
2: think, uh, something you said about you know, we need to be talking about it more. Uh, just like I think also the media needs to spin the right story rather than just trying Mm -hmm. to get clicks. Because back in May last year, when Sekiro came out, uh, I think one of the big criticisms was the lack of accessibility features. But all the media, all the news sites spun it as, should Sekiro have easy mode? And it was like, no, that's that's not what we're talking about.
0: (laughs) I think technically Inside Gaming bought into that. And then Steve Spawn had a conversation with uh, whoever wrote that piece about it to be like, I don't think you understand. And and like, I mean, I know you're a huge FromSoft fan, John. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a, a recurring conversation that keeps coming up. Is like, this isn't about a game being easier. It is it is just about people with disabilities being able to play these games. <laughs> it's yeah, not exactly. about an easy mode. Like, it's yep. it's a completely different thing. And if you're like, well, that's the way the developers intended it, then you're saying, well, then the developers, if if they know. Are intending that their games are not accessible to people with disabilities?
1: Yeah, one hundred percent.
0: No, we want there. And
1: Exactly, and the fact that, like, okay, yeah, like in in a way, holy boy, I'm, I'm not going to get too deep into this, but this is the yeah, this is just kind of like one of those sore spots in the industry about the whole secure yeah. debate. Um, but yes, I mean, in sometimes in games. I, we, like we in the disabled community, we get it. It's like, okay, if there's not accessibility options, then having a difficulty option kind of makes uh, it a little bit less barrier, like there's more less barriers to uh, for us to be able to play. Um, and to kind of give an example of what technically an easy mode would do for those who are disabled. So think of it this way. Okay, you, so you, you jump into a From, you jump into Sekiro, you want, like you you love it because of the challenge. Like Mm -hmm. you want to play it. That's kind of what they're designed for. Like if we're girls kind of everyone says like, it's just, it's just, it's supposed to be hard. Okay, you get this, you have that challenge. Now try to be able to play that game blindfolded or try to be able to play that game with headphones on or like with with earmuffs on and try to, or try to be able to play that game with your hand, one hand tied behind your back. It'd be a much, it'd be a much like a larger challenge for you to be able to play that game at that point. And all an easy mode does, or at least a, a adjustable difficulty options does, is just remove the ear, the earmuffs, remove the blindfold, and unties your hand so that we can still enjoy the same challenge that you do and the same love that you have for playing mm-hmm. those kind of games. It just now puts it at an equal playing field for those with disabilities.
0: Mm-hmm. That was a really interesting perspective when that conversation was coming out because my first take was like, I don't know what the answer to this is because I get it. If they make those games and they want them to be hard and that's the point of the game, that's the the direction they're going for. And then it might have even been you, uh Steve. I don't remember who I saw speak about it, but someone was like, we're not asking for the game to be easier. We are asking to experience the game the exact same way that you do. It is still going to be extremely challenging for us. You just don't opt into those things that you don't need and you will also have the same challenge. And it was like, oh shit, that makes perfect sense. It's not making mm-hmm. the game any easier. It's making it the same. Which exactly. across the board I'm in support of. <laughs> it <Yeah>. Sounds awesome. <laughs> Also a thing I want for the next gen, Bloodborne 2. So those are mine. Yep. You, you get, <laughs> get your accessibilities, get your Bloodborne 2s, get your ray tracing. <laughs>
2: yeah, and hopefully you'll be able to turn off the goddamn motion controls in Bloodborne 2. Like, even as someone who has no, uh, you know, motion uh, or motor skill uh, issues. Ailments. Ailments, yeah. Like, so many times, because the emotes, are connected to the way you move the controller, like if you swing it around or whatever. But I would be sitting there completely still, and maybe I'd just kind of jerk from an attack, and in the middle of a fight, my character would raise his <laughs> arm and give like a thumbs up, and it was like, No, I got like so I can't imagine someone, you know, who you know suffers from involuntary movements or something like that. Like Bloodborne was probably extremely frustrating. Um, All
0: very funny. Depends how you look yeah. at it. Waving in the middle of that's fights all the true. time. Yeah. Feature, not a bug. No, that, that, no, I totally agree. There's a lot of stuff like that. Until Dawn uh, didn't have a great amount of accessibility options for that kind of thing either. Um, and it is worth mentioning, we're not live today because of RTX. The podcast will go up usual time. Which means that we are recording before the PlayStation conference tomorrow. So there's potentially things that we could be talking about here that we could miss. I don't know if that's going to happen. But I did want to ask you guys... This is going to be immediately outdated, so please say it with the most confidence possible. How okay. much is the PlayStation 5 going to cost?
1: Uh, I'm going to say... Assuming the, we even hear it tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going to say probably the main PS5, I'm going to probably guess is going to be the same as the uh, the Series X, is going to be $4.99, and I think the disk version... Uh, I had to enunciate that specifically. Um, I think will probably be. I'm guessing going to be a hundred dollars cheaper. So yeah, three ninety nine. I don't think it's going to be as cheap as the ass. because I don't think that they can be able to compete. With, like Sony yeah. can be able to compete with
2: that. I think so, John. I think uh, because of their past mistakes with the PS3 coming out for six hundred and how poorly that went, they would want to avoid doing that again. So I think I'm going to say, uh, I agree with Steve. Five hundred for the main console. Four hundred for the uh discless. Sorry,
0: discless. Diskless. Uh devastatingly I also one hundred percent agree and thus have no interesting contrary <laughs> point to make. Uh, I think we're all in agreement on those prices. It's potentially um I feel like like John, you certainly uh, know more about hardware than I do in generalized TV might too, I'm not sure. But uh I don't know that a disk drive is worth a hundred dollars. I think they'll do it anyway, but would it not be 50 Is the
2: discless one, of, is it like uh, the Xbox where it has kind of a uh, scaled down It doesn't have, features? no, it is solely no, I think it's the same size, yeah. Oh.
0: Yeah, everything else is the same. So it's potential that they could do 450 499 but I imagine they'd probably be willing to even take the loss on that and have it be 399 just to have a significantly cheaper option. I, I mean, wonder if that was thing? probably...
2: Oh, sorry. Go
1: ahead. Yeah, I was, no, I was saying I wonder. I wonder if that's probably what they originally were going to price it at if, uh, at four fifty, but then maybe because of Xbox, they were like, you know what, screw it, we'll just take a hundred dollars or fifty dollars off more and make it and make it three ninety nine. Who knows?
0: Mm-hmm. Potentially, yeah. I guess we'll find out tomorrow and be super wrong or whatever. <laughs> <Go> or <on. laughs> maybe they're trying to
2: push the discless one because I, I've made this point before. The only reason discs exist now is for collectors because it's basically just a DRM where you put the disc in and then you still have to download most of the game. Um, so it is true. There is no, But, I mean, like there ac- are
0: still people playing without internet. That does still exist, but or people with very bad internet connections. But you're if right that you, even bad internet connections don't matter anymore because you still have to download it.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. but I, I'm I'm not sure, but isn't it... Even if it's... if Say you get a game day one and you're not connected to the internet... You can't play that game with just the disc, can you? Like, I don't know. You need to download. I devastatingly,
0: don't know anymore. I sh- I feel like I yeah. should know this, but like I, you know, I get codes now, and I and I was a diehard like must have all discs physically person, um, and I had to separate myself from that because, frankly, it became unreasonable. Living in small apartments and moving in California, it's just carrying around cases of video games is a bad idea. I still have like a pretty solid collection. I've got. PS3, 360, Wii U games like all chilling over there that I haven't <laughs> touched in years. So what I've been doing now is instead, because I still feel anxious about not physically owning things, is uh, I buy my game of the year physically every year mm. on every platform. Nice. So mm, that's I'm like, good idea. I still have it. Yeah. Which <laughs> just makes me feel slightly better about things. But I, I honestly don't know the answer to that, John. And it is super embarrassing yeah. that I don't know the answer to that. So How what do I, was I even thinking Google that?
2: Was, you know, they, they did, I feel like when they they announced all the diskless stuff being like, this is the future! And then everyone was like, no! And so they kind of backpedaled. But maybe a way of trying to push the diskless future uh, is pricing that one at 500 and the disk one at 600 So a lot of people may just be like, well, I don't want to pay 600 just to have a disk drive. I'm going to settle for the $500 one and just be completely digital. I mean, that yeah. may be, who knows, but... Uh, I mean, yeah. if it really is just a, a disk drive, it might be like a tactic.
1: I think so, they save costs way, on
2: production too. Yeah, I,
1: I, yeah. And I think in a way, and and I apologize, I know I keep bringing it. like obviously the accessibility angle and I swear I can talk no, more about, about other than just <laughs> accessibility. Um, hey. But in a way having like, I know everyone wants to be able to push for sort of the alt digital future. Um, and And I get that. And I, I understand that and there are many games that I like I have and own digitally that I don't own physically. But the, the, the tricky part is from an accessibility standpoint, buying at least a physical copy allows us to get some money back if we can't play the game because the uh, refund policies for a lot of Sony, Microsoft and Nintendo are kind of bad. Uh, like for example, I like to say Nintendo specifically they're, they don't offer refunds for, digi- for digital purchases at all. And the reason for it, and this is on the FAQ page, is you need to take a look at the reviews and screenshots and videos provided online to see if you want to be able to play this game. And I'm like... Please
0: look at the marketing. Yeah. <laughs> say, like um, Yikes. Maybe not. Um, so That's not great. Yeah, they also I, don't do sales. Like, Nintendo is such a weird company in that we love them so much and love what they do so much, but they have so many trash policies. It's mm-hmm. just... Like, they, they have our hearts. They know they do. But then they're like, never going to put our game on sale. You're going to have to buy it at $60. And then we're going to make you pay another $60 for it, even though it's literally an emulator, which is the <laughs> thing that I had a story about today, Is uh, just as, as a short, because we totally won't get to it. The Super Mario 3D All-Stars uh, has leaked onto the internet. All games are emulated. Really? It's not... Yes. <laughs> which, in theory, means they can emulate everything, but also means that they aren't even necessarily actual ports uh Ah. we're paying full price for the same thing (laughs) it's fascinating
2: great
1: yeah i wonder if they're just like you know what we have these in the archives people want it let's just slap a a box on it and retail art and just say okay there you go at like the least cost possible
0: i'm doing (laughs) it i'm paying for it um okay you're absolutely right and yeah that is now how nintendo uh get us but before we jump into our next topic which is uh more about ps5 actually uh we need to have a word from our sponsor Upstart, ad read voice, you guys ready? During these economically turbulent times, everyone is looking for a way to feel more financially secure. So if you're still needlessly throwing money every month at high interest credit card debt, it's time you checked out Upstart, the revolutionary online lending platform that knows you're more than just a credit score. Now is the time to find out how low your upstart rate can be to help pay off high interest credit card debt. I know that voice makes a lot of people uncomfortable. I find it funny. But what won't make you uncomfortable is Upstart, which can reward you based on your education and job history in the form of a smarter rate. You don't need a degree or a diploma to apply though. Uh, it lets you skip going to the bank, which is awesome right now because it's completely online and they offer loans from 1000 to 50000 which of course your loan amount will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information that is provided on your loan application. Uh, so you can consolidate your debt into one easy fixed rate payment, which is great news. Upstart also makes it just very fast and simple. Uh, Again, all online, very simple to use. But since it's just a soft pull, it won't affect your credit rating, which we love to hear. And the best part, if the loan is approved... Most people get their funds the very next day, which is uh, yeah, also very speedy. Over 400,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards or meet their financial goals. It's very exciting stuff. See why Upstart has a 4.9 out of 5 rating on Trustpilot and hurry to upstart.com dude to find out how low your Upstart rate can be. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes. That's upstart.com dude. D-U-D-E, dude. Thank you to Upstart. All right. Uh, got another story here. Just kind of wanted to see like how you guys feel about this. So there are potential PS5 stock issues. This is via Bloomberg. Uh, they said Sony core has cut its estimated PlayStation five production for this fiscal year by 4 million units down to 11 million following production issues with the custom designed system on chip for the new console. According to people familiar with the matter, pretty significant cut. It's like 26%. I said, I think, sorry, total. The company has come up against manufacturing issues, such as production yields as low as 50% for its COC, which have cut into its ability to produce as many consoles as it wishes. Yields have gradually been improving, but have yet to reach a stable level, they added. Sony shares erased raised gains and closed down 2.5% on Tuesday, their lowest level since July. So basically, about 50% of the chips for the system-on-chip uh, system <laughs> to talk about, uh, have been failing. Um, they've increased the yield, meaning not as many are failing now, but that is massive production costs that are just completely lost, which, you know, in theory, if you look at it from a business perspective, it means that every unit that does work costs more money to make via the ones that don't. Um, and they are, I know air shipping them as well, rather than shipping them by sea to try to get more of them out in the wild, which means this whole thing has become a lot more expensive for Sony than they expected. Um, and of course Hmm. that means... Uh, Eleven million units available for the next twelve months in theory. Um, a, do you guys think this means we should be concerned about dodgy chips with the PS Five? Is this a concern? We're gonna we're gonna have I mean, another red ring situation. How
2: many of those consoles that shipped have you know shipped before they realized everything was failing constantly? Um,
0: it seems likely to me that there are maybe some issues, but
2: they'll most likely have. You know, I mean the fact that they're talking about it now, they'll have some sort of system for replacing it, but you know, you'll still have to ship back a newly purchased console uh to get it fixed. So that would be frustrating.
0: If it's if it's a thing, yeah. yeah and then eleven million units, is it enough? Sounds like a lot.
1: How I have many no idea. did the Switch sell within its first year?
0: I don't think it and sold it that many in the first year compared to... I, I I think that the PlayStation 2 was still the highest, but uh, right. that's because it was a DVD player. So, like, the PS2 million. sales...
1: It sold 14 million the first
2: year? Oh, no,
0: wait. Switch...
2: Initial projection million? of 2 million, and within a year of release, achieved 14 million worldwide.
0: Wow, that is okay. good. I didn't think yeah. it was that many.
2: Well, it's so the 11 in, million... And, that's for, and that didn't even have any oh, sorry, fucking games
0: on it at launch. Yeah. <laughs> it had, like, nothing...
1: True. Um,
2: Damn.
1: I mean, I think I don't think it's like I don't think the PS5 is going to have that same of an impact as the Switch did because I think the Switch kind of took a lot of people by surprise. Same with a lot of things actually <laughs> Nintendo has even like Animal Crossing this year. Um yeah. so I I I would be conservative conservative to say that okay, so two million kind of at launch, that's maybe a good spot to reach. Um, and especially with the 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 price point that it's at. I think Sony will be okay. I don't think there's as huge of a push for wanting to be able to buy the PS5 on day one. Uh, I think they'll sell
0: out day one.
1: You really? You think so?
0: Yeah, like I think that that pre-orders will be closed from the jump. I think we're going to have probably similar to what the Switch had, right? Where uh, they were back-ordered, I believe? Nintendo had to increase production significantly... Because they were selling out, Amazon was canceling people's pre-orders because they had sold too many. Um, mm. So it, I don't. You're right that I don't know that the PS5 will be as popular as the Switch. I feel like that's so hard to guess, though. Like it absolutely could be. Obviously, Sony's like such a huge brand in gaming, especially in 2020. They are yep. the biggest, really, um, massively successful. Again, the PS2 still the highest selling console if you don't include the Game Boy family, which you know is, was also massively successful. But I, I, I imagine what's going to happen, and the reason why they opened up those early pre-order links um, is probably, it's going to be really hard for you to go and get one in a store for yeah. the next six months. I imagine. I, I don't that. think that's going to be easy to do.
1: And then plus also the the biggest variable, good and bad, is twenty twenty. So yeah,
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> That's, I think, I imagine part of why they're air shipping them is like shipping slowed down across the board. And like that, it's supposed to be really expensive to ship things by air. Like that's why it's like, does the 2020 thing, are Sony just going to take a huge loss with all of these problems? Because if their stocks are already down 2.4%, like how do you, what do you do to adjust to that? You know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's a real mess. Um, are you guys both going to try and get one on launch? I'm not.
1: Okay. No, probably not. Not at least day one. Uh, I I unless Sony decides to send me one, which Sony, call me. Um, <laughs> what up, Sony? But
0: <laughs> I love you. <laughs> we would all love them, please.
1: I gave you free press and I sold some PS4s for The Last of Us, so come on, throw a black <laughs> guy a bone. Um, but. I I think probably at some point I think definitely within the first like launch year I'll I'll definitely get one um so but we'll like we'll see I'm definitely not going to be lining up day one at my local EB Games here in Canada and uh and buying mm-hmm. one uh I EB I don't, I don't trust the too. yeah I don't trust the Amazon shipping pre ordered no no I I want to go physically and no I have it in hands I
2: have I a question that. uh. Are any are either of y'all dissatisfied with the current-gen consoles? I feel like when the One and the PS4 came in, I was like, oh, we're making a huge jump. But I don't feel that way this time. It's like, I feel like I'd be okay just having a One and a PS4 for another few years.
0: Look, um, I think part of that comes from the fact that we have so few games announced. Across the board, we have... It's not playroom. <laughs> that, that the 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 thing that Sony has that's basically the controller demo, Miles Morales and Ratchet and Clank, um, which both of which are like the two that I'm the most excited about. And then on the Xbox side, we have Scorn. I think the medium's a launch title, and then Tetris multiplayer. Technically, if Destiny. if I'm remembering correctly, <laughs> technically Destiny counts. So yeah. it's that we have very few games, and also don't know the games after this. So like I just made a video on this yesterday. Xbox Magazine. Very exciting to read through what they said in 2001, but apparently, when the original Xbox came out, we knew of 200 games in development for it. Oh my god, 200!
2: <laughs> wow.
0: And Damn. now it's like what eight? <laughs> like we just wow. don't know anything, so it's a really weird place to be. But huh. it's also that with the way that uh, I, I think we're basically at a point where games are moving to our perception, slower. Things are uh, uh, where just literally what you're seeing is concerned. Uh, The things that are changing are things like loading screens. Um, It's not necessarily, you know, things that are immediately perceptible. That's why I keep talking about how cool I think Ratchet & Clank is, and that you have teleportation through worlds. It does seem like it's scripted now, rather than that you can do it on demand when the screen goes purple in those gameplay demos. Um, That is completely like, you are literally going to a different world without any loading screen other than that, which is a tiny animation, um, you know, it's it's so, so, so fast. That kind of stuff is next-gen. But most people are like, eh, I don't care about it, whatever. But why doesn't it look like real life? And I just think it's <laughs> sort of that we maybe need to reassess. It's probably their fault for marketing things that way, too, honestly, is that they've tried to make us buy into, like, you know, this is the next generation of gaming. Things are going to look better than ever before. This many flops. But then things kind of look similar and you get disappointed. Uh, I just don't know that it's necessarily possible I yeah think we sort of need to lower our expectations
1: I think in a way like they, that was the kind of their original goal I'm, I'm assuming for the marketing was to be able to kind of like lead up to okay here's the hardware stuff and then now we're going to kind of talk about sort of the, the games and kind of what's going to be launching but then obviously 2020 change all that I think and I've also noticed this too like even on the Xbox side I, I've seen a massive marketing switch where instead of like yes they're promoting the consoles but they're promoting sort of the services and the features that are like they're going to be in it not necessarily the games i mean of course cuz they don't have halo to to kind of really bolster that up but um, I I think that like I've definitely seen that that switch over, and Sony we'll see I guess kind of where they're gonna lie with uh, their their event tomorrow or uh, today whatever you have you ever watched last year <laughs> yesterday this. technically yesterday whatever <laughs> um so we'll, we'll we don't know specifically uh, but this we, it could become moot but yeah I mean I don't like to answer your question on I I really I think probably the the Xbox is probably the only one I would think to upgrade because I'm still running on an, on a one S um mm-hmm. i I, mm-hmm. I i would love to be able to kind of get into that next gen i'm kind of one of those i'll jump a generation but i think with games it's it's a little bit different so i think i would love to be able to get a 1x day one uh and maybe wait for the series uh, the x five series x sorry yes it's so
0: confusing <laughs> oh god they the
1: series a x hashtag well. power of your dreams there we go okay let's go
0: <laughs> another
2: thing are they going to come out with a series XXSX,
0: X, X, you know, in two or three years. God. Well, here's the thing that like it's so annoying to talk about and we're gonna flub it a million times and I fault nobody. Like I, I made a video where I said the Xbox Series X and the Xbox Series X instead of S. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's so hard to do. But I actually ultimately don't think it's going to matter that much or really at all in terms of sales when you think about the 3DS family or the DS family in general and how well it sold with the DS and the DSi and the DS Lite and the 3DS and the new 3DS and the new 3DS XL and the 2DS and the 2DS XL. Like there are so many of those new 3DS XL is a ridiculous name for a console, (laughs) but it still sold really well. Yeah, It ultimately doesn't matter. Also
1: the fact it's like, I mean, you just got to take a look at Apple. They have the multiple names for all their new iPads, iPhones, whatever. And it's like, okay, just give me, just give me the, just whatever's the new thing. I just, I don't care. Just give it to me.
0: I sort of suspect that it's a marketing tactic that we are being manipulated uh, to not think of something with a new number as a huge event. Um, So that they can start iterating more freely and people will be more inclined to buy something rather than thinking, oh, it's a six already. What the hell? And then they just diminish consoles because I expect Xbox to start bringing out consoles every second year. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just what I feel like is going to happen with the all access program that was uh, well announced a while ago, but is confirmed to be tied to the S and Series X. <laughs> uh, I think it's like $25 a month for a Series S subscription and you'll pay off the console in two years and you get Game Pass for free for the first 12 months, I believe. So technically the value, you, you would save money in the long run. Mm. But anyway, uh, to, to the earlier point, like I just think that we're not going to see dramatic leaps in graphics this time around. It is more about lighting effects and hair effects and improved water simulation. Things that will look really good but are a bit more subtle. So it's like sort of harder for them to market as well because it's like, "But look at the water!" And we're like, "Well, I've seen water <laughs> like that. I played
2: whatever. It's I played water. Sea of thieves."
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's just a harder sell, but it does feel a bit weird. And I like the reason that I'm not super excited outside of my own personal, generally always technical curiosity is just we don't have enough games. Mm-hmm. Just it's it's the yeah. one of the slimmest lineups ever. <laughs> it's sad. What if tomorrow I'm in the PlayStation
2: conference they go, "Guess what? Two hundred games." Oh
1: god, if we get like a God of War 2 coming, like an announcement, and it's coming in two months, I'll be like,
0: That's what, what I'm the hell Corey? <laughs> god of War 2 would be real nice, mm-hmm. I don't know though, I have no, I have no idea what we're gonna get tomorrow, the only thing I'm anticipating right now is the price and release date I mean yesterday, no, we've already seen it we've absolutely already seen yeah, it, yeah, exactly uh, <laughs> conference was good <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. alright, before we wrap up the show I have to do one more uh Get one more word from our sponsor. This one is from Mint Mobile. Have you ever heard of Mint Mobile? No? you should get on it. For anyone who's out there looking to save without sacrificing service, switching to Mint Mobile is a no brainer. Seriously, it sounds too good to be true. Uh, For customers who hate their wireless bill, I think my phone bill is like over $100, it's absurd. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. It's crazy. Uh, By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, it saves Mint Mobile money, which means that they transfer those savings onto you. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text, plus crazy fast 4G LTE, which we love to see. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan uh, and keep your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. And the best part, if you're not 100% certified, Mint Mobile did I just say serified? Satisfied is what I meant to say. Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless for 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, get the plan shipped to your door for free. Go to mintmobile.com dude. That is mintmobile.com dude. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash dude. Alrighty, you guys. I had a lot of stuff here that we did not get to. That would have been, you know, very exciting. But because we mentioned the aliens at the very top of the show, I thought that we would close it out with the alien story. My thing with Dude Soup is whenever I host the show, I try to bring in a science story. Uh, So, astronomers found a possible sign of life on Venus. From CBS News. Traces of a rare molecule known as phosphine have been found in the hellish, heavily acidic atmosphere of Venus, astronomers announced on Monday. providing a tantalizing clue about the possibility of life. Why did this writer get so poetic? (laughs) Why did you have to do this? Okay. phosphine molecules found on Earth are primarily a result of human industry or the actions of microbes that thrive in oxygen-free environments. The researchers are not claiming life has been detected on the second planet from the sun, but the observations suggest at least the possibility of microbial activity in the upper layers of Venus's atmosphere well away from from the planet's inhospitable surface. Basically, this is like farts they've discovered farts yes Uh, that's sort of the way that this works is gassy farts have been discovered on the planet and they're like but who did the farts come from and was it something that is currently alive that is the mystery (laughs) and i absolutely love that this is in the news this week Uh, of course they have to do a lot more testing to actually verify if the phosphine came from something that's alive rather than the atmosphere generating it in some different way uh, but it's still really, really, really cool. <laughs> I absolutely I have two love this theories, kind of news. Solana. Okay, go, go for it. First theory these phosphine gases
2: somehow left our atmosphere and went to their atmosphere. There's a lot of, because anything that's uh, lighter than air, like helium, um, helium is a finite resource because whenever you inhale a balloon and then exhale talking like a muppet, that goes up into the air and leaves the planet. So, um, I mean, it's the, the likelihood of it is, dare I say, astronomical. Uh, you know, I'm not a
0: scientist, so I can't tell you it's not possible. All I know is that phosphine is created by microorganisms that live in environments on Earth that do not have oxygen. Or so for it to have left Earth and traveled there, I feel, is, is quite difficult.
2: Or primarily a result of human industry. So, I don't know exactly how many, you know, factories pumping out gas or whatever. Just a theory. No foundation behind it. The other theory, which I think is much more likely, Venus, the planet, is sentient. There are not creatures living on Venus. The planet itself is alive, and it let out a little toot, and we picked it up on our sensors.
0: It's probably very embarrassed, Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've really mortified it on an intergalactic scale that it farted and we all had to be like, It's alive <laughs> I'm so sorry, Venus, for bullying you. Uh Steve, any any um pseudoscience uh takes as we are all real astronomers I mean, on what Venus farts mean?
1: <laughs> I mean it just basically, without spoiling uh the show, uh I'm just saying the expanse. Um <laughs> Uh, it, it kind of. Uh, I, I'm. I'm expecting that to happen. If you. If you watch the okay. show, you know. But uh, <laughs> we'll
2: see. Okay. Um, Is that show worth it? I. I think I watched the first episode and I was like, I don't know. If I...
1: It's very. The first season's very hard sci-fi. Like it's like really into the science. I mean, the books are kind of into the science. Like it's mm-hmm. really like you have to like almost need subtitles to be able to watch some of, show, cause cause of the show just because of the the lore and the universe of that yeah. of the world. Um, but if like, I honestly think it's actually one of the, one of the best, uh, shows on online. So, um, it gets better. And, uh, I would say Thomas Jane is amazing in the show. So I'm all for some more Punisher action. So.
0: All right. Yeah. Very good. Well, I think what you mean by that, if I remember from the book is, is, is biohazard stuff, right? Is that what you're referring to? The fossils kill people. Not, I, I'm being very vague what? myself. All right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes and no. I mean, it's it's basically aliens ish. <laughs> so I mean, follow up yeah.
0: question before we finish the show: Are aliens real?
1: Yes, as the movie Contact basically shows us, it's just a, like if it, there isn't any, it's a lot of wasted space. A lot of
2: wasted space. I believe uh, in uh, not multiple dimensions, but that time and space is a giant river, or not even a river, uh, ocean, and that all time exists at the same time, and we are merely just it, experiencing it in a linear path because of how our brains work. But, yeah, so I think aliens exist. I think an infinite number of versions of us exist. Uh, and I'd love to meet an alien and just show her how much love I have to give.
0: Any single aliens out there, you let us know. You hit (laughs) us up. I too think aliens exist and I think one of my hottest takes uh, that I will stand by is that if you don't believe in aliens, you're arrogant. How are you (laughs) going to tell me that the the universe that big and you don't think aliens you think you're the only life form on this planet okay all right get your head out of your ass (laughs) i'm sorry no offense but i think you're a bit arrogant (laughs) aliens totally exist one of the coolest things about them is uh, uh our brains can't comprehend things that we haven't already seen right so you know how if you're dreaming Every face that you see in a dream is a face that you have already seen in real life or a combination of those things. The same happens with art. You really just have to pull a bunch of things from other things you've seen and then put them together because we actually are very bad at conceptualizing things that we've never even comprehended before or never experienced before. Uh, Unless I guess you're not paying attention to what you're putting down. So in theory, aliens could exist and they would look absolutely nothing like anything we could ever even hope to comprehend until we've seen them. And then suddenly, you know, and it changes everything. Do you that you think explains a lot of recent now? dreams I've had. Oh, really? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, will say, you know, because it's it's dreams,
0: but yeah, that explains a lot. Shout out to dreams. Also, yeah. very good video game. Mm. Don't know how the accessibility options are. Steve, do you know anything about Dreams?
1: Uh, they actually did a pretty decent job. I knew some uh, people who uh, worked on the accessibility, so... Um, there yeah. you
0: go. Shout out to Media Molecule. They're having a Halloween event. I'm very excited yeah. about it. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, Steve, before you go, where can people find you?
1: Uh, you can be able to find me on Twitter, at Steve Saylor. Uh, that's S-A-Y-L-O-R, not the uh, Popeye the sailor. Uh, spelling um, <laughs> or you can find me on YouTube <laughs> youtube.com slash snowball yes that is my actual URL
0: very nice very nice John where can people find you I guess just hanging out outside area
2: 51 trying to find true love and also RTX this week
0: which, oh yeah uh, yes
2: RTX <laughs> we have a panel this Friday funhouse panel
0: I shall do are you on any other panels nope Alright, cool. Well, I will see you on Friday at the Funhouse Paddle, everyone. <laughs> Alright, see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.